Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There is Aaron Rodgers and... uh Oh, here it is. The block. Oh, geez. Yeah, this thing was something. Aaron Rodgers gets uh, knocked to the ground by Zadarius Smith, has a little trouble getting up. They got a little something to say to each other. I think Aaron Rodgers is waiting for somebody to hold him back. And I know they're smiling, but I don't know why Aaron Rodgers felt compelled to get up and, and run at him. So you know, it's I like mean, it's like friends. Like, you know, I I don't I don't think it was like uh like, hey, he's trying it's like you and me where if we were competing on something and, you know, we want to give it to each other a little bit after after something happens, get in each other's face, yeah. it's not necessarily I'd pull a knife. I'd pull a knife on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might. <laughs> but it, I think it, that's, that wasn't, you know, I don't think anything wrong with that. I, I was actually very impressed that Aaron Rodgers even wanted to go that route and even try to put a body part on Zadarius Smith, who's built like a Greek god. I mean, that was risky enough in itself, but – um, yeah, I, I think it's more of like two guys who, you know, been in the trenches together. They got respect for each other and, uh, I'm sure he wanted to get Zadarius there, but he, you're not going to get Zadarius in that situation, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, and look, I, it, it's, it's funny to watch it, but quarterbacks, especially as they creep toward 40, you want to avoid any and all contact that you can avoid on your throwing shoulder too. That's where I was like, yeah, man, your yeah. right shoulder. And then you end up, you end up, you know, you fall to the ground. All it takes is one false move of the body, one shift here, one shift there. And the next thing, and I said shift, by the way, the next thing, you know, you, you've got a, a ligament that's strained. You got something. It's, it's, it's not worth the risk. Um, the, First impression of the Green Bay Packers offense without receiver Devontae Adams, who had a pretty good day for himself. He had more receiving yards than all of the Packers receivers combined. What did you think of Green Bay's offense without Adams? No, it looked stagnant. I mean, it did across the board. I mean, there was nothing to look like it wasn't forget Devontae Adams. I know Christian Watson had the drop bomb touchdown, right? Was it the first offensive play of the game or certainly yes. first you know, series, first series, first series. That was big. 
You know, it seemed like there was a lot of plays where Rodgers, again, was looking at the receivers, expecting like, hey, when they play this way, do that. There's a missed throw by Rodgers that you don't see very often. You know, he was under pressure uh, as far as, uh, you know, like not being able to stand in there and just go, okay, wait, here's first read, second read, third read. Let me take my time and go through this. I mean, the Vikings were creative, it looked like. I'm excited to watch this film later today. But the fact that there was no Devontae Adams out there, the fact that they had neither one of their starting tackles out there, it showed in the football game. They couldn't run the ball. They were out-coached, out-physicaled, everything in the game. It wasn't a good look by them by any stretch of the imagination. I stand corrected. It was the very first play from scrimmage. Right, it was. Right, I thought so. It tells me... They they had something, they saw something, they knew something. I mean, he just ran right by they, Patrick Peterson. Well, yeah, they said, wait, our guy runs 4-2 and Patrick God. Peterson's 45 years old. Let's just run him go, let him go right by the guy. <laughs> and so uh, they, they've been holding this thing. They've been cooking this thing uh, up. They knew what they were doing. He's the first read. That, that ties the game at seven. All the work the Vikings put in to drive down the field to score that touchdown, that changes the entire dynamic of the football game, and maybe the Packers win, and you could see it on Aaron Rodgers' face. And, uh, I mean, he had and those gloves. We know how those gloves are. He had it in his hands. I don't know. Does he have a little too much pressure on him from Aaron Rodgers? Uh, a lot of things go into a drop, and well, sometimes yeah, it just right, happens. Right. But what a difference. What a difference that game would have become if Christian Watson makes that catch and runs into the end zone and it's 7-7 and Vikings get the ball back and, uh, you know, the defense is energized by the Packers, maybe they shut him down. It's 14-7. I mean, yeah. you'd have to go back to that game at that point and replay it, but that would have had a completely yeah, different changes, vibe the rest of yeah. the Yeah, I mean, you know, like Ray Lewis used to say on Monday Night Football, momentum is real. It's real. Anybody that played sports, you know, oh, wait, I got hot shooting three-pointers. Oh, my gosh, give me the ball. Our team's going, whatever it is. Oh, man, there's a few base hits in baseball. Now the next guy gets a base hit. I mean, that, it is a real thing. So, yeah, it takes the air out of the balloon a little bit. Watson didn't play in the preseason. That's his first play as an NFL player. And he's going. He's probably got a lot of things going through his mind. Wait, what did the coach tell me? Holy crap! This is the Vikings. I'm in the NFL. Holy crap! It's Patrick Peterson covering me. You know, I think all of that probably came to you know a, a head there when that play happened. But as ugly as that offense was and everything, and I'm going to go off script here just for a second because I think you'll enjoy this. The story of the game was the fact of the the other guy on the. Minnesota Vikings, the other receiver, the fact that Kevin O'Connell and his offense, they found way after way after way to get one of the best receivers in the game, Justin Jefferson, to the point where you're going, I mean, you heard me during the game, like, well, uh, did anybody tell Green Bay that one of the best receivers in football is (laughs) on Minnesota? I mean, how many catches did he have where there was nobody in the screen? Uh, That was what was amazing. I know he's great and he's going to get his catches, but there was like a number of them where you go, he caught the ball and there's nobody around him. How does that even happen? I mean, here he's open by 10 yards. Later on, he's open by 20 yards. I mean, that was the impressive thing, I think, of the game overall, which is Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson and Kevin O'Connell. That was a, a deadly trio combination right there. Well, we knew it from the get-go that Justin Jefferson becomes the Cooper Cup in the Minnesota offense. Jefferson talked to us about it at the Super Bowl. You could tell he was very happy about the situation. 
Adam Thielen said after the game that it's the first time he's ever been part of an offense that is attacking, attacking, and attacking. And even Cousins, that play where he bolts up into the pocket. I mean, the walls start to close in, and he finds an escape, and that's not Kirk Cousins. Oh, you like it to Kirk Cousins now. Hey. For now. For now. <laughs> he loves him today. He loves him. Get, get back to me next Tuesday after they play the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, what, a, what a doubleheader that is next week. Why? I, I don't know. even realize that. I mean, hey, listen, listen. Yeah. Not not that anybody gives a what I have to say uh, un, until they do. But why? What's with this overlapping double? I don't stuff? like it either. I want to watch both these damn games. Play it on Tuesday night, please. The other one or something. Do Monday, Tuesday. Do seven and ten. I know we can't keep people up that late. And I, I know this is like the highest order first world problem. But I really like being able to watch one football game at a time and not have to worry about all the other stuff that we worry about on Sunday when we're, we're watching seven, eight, nine games at once. And then the four o'clock games, we can't even watch them. Not complaining because we're getting ready for a TV show. And then you can't really lock in. I know I can't in the Sunday night game because we do other stuff. Monday and Thursday night, the two nights a week where I can just like just watch the game yeah why are they going to have two games going at the same time i don't know who came up with that bright idea but it's not no and and marquee matchups too like to go you're like really we want to we want to infringe on josh allen versus derrick henry like and and up in buffalo like we i I don't understand that either i I really don't we want to infringe on the eagles maybe one of the best rosters in football and the the new look Vikings and explosive offense and kind of exciting looking here so far. I, that's where I'm surprised the NFL wants that to, to go down that way, but I'm sure they have their reasons. I, I didn't even realize that was a thing until I saw the commercials last night. So that was going to do it like three shocked. times a year. Yeah. You can do it like three times a year. So get ready. All right. We are, we are way, way Whoa, off script. But- Raiders offense with Devontae Adams. What was your impression? Marriage made in heaven. I don't think we should be shocked, right? I mean, this is, first off, we know how good the player is. Josh McDaniels, I mean, he's made to get guys like Devontae Adams open. I mean, there's a reason Wes Welker and Julian Edelman had 9 million catches when they played in New England. You know, McDaniels is an offensive genius. He is even can take a guy like Devontae Adams' level of play to another level because of what I always learned. But Josh has intricate detail in teaching you how to run routes against the appropriate coverage. And it went to a new level compared to even when I was with John Gruden, who was a great offensive mind. I got with Josh McDaniels, and I went, ooh, I, we never did that little nuance of this play versus this coverage because he'd call a play and I'd go, well, that, this play's never going to be open against this coverage. But then he'd teach it a certain way and you'd go, oh, damn, when you teach it that way, it, it makes things a little bit more open here. Whoa, okay, we can't call it this, this coverage. I mean, they just had the he's – got, he's got Gronk and Welker or Gronk and Edelman to me. And they, they, they're going to find a million ways to screw you over with Devontae Adams and Waller. And he's going to go to the well to Devontae Adams all game, all year long until the team goes, wait, we're going to double team him or we're going to do other things. And then he's going to go, okay, now I got Hunter Renfro plays over here and all that. So I think their offense is going to be pretty, you know, annoying for defenses all year long. And, um, uh... On Friday, I believe it was, they, they finally got Darren Waller's contract taken care of. Yeah, so good. he's happy, he's engaged, he's motivated. You got Waller, you got Renfro, you got Adams, you got a hell of an offense. The yes, game sir. didn't work out for them, but they'll they'll get their share of wins. They're just in a they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough 
division in a conference that is chock full of contenders. The Chiefs leading the way in the AFC West, and what a shock. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs, even without Tyreek Hill. What did you think of Patrick Mahomes and company with uh, Hill in Miami? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes will be okay without Tyreek Hill. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Will one of the greatest talents we've ever seen in the sport be okay without Tyreek Hill? I mean, I just I want to like shove it in people's faces that were like, "Oh, it's just Tyree Kill," and "Oh, uh, there won't be as good." What are you talking about, everybody that said that this off season? First off, they got a great offensive mind in Annie Reed and Eric Bieniemy, and they got okay, maybe not an A plus blue chipper at receiver, but they got a bunch of like A minus receivers, and I don't know if that might not be more dangerous. And they still got a blue chipper tight end. So I just, and then add into the fact, Mike, and I think you'll agree with me. I, I feel the same way that I with Buffalo as I do with Kansas City. They are on a mission, and I think Mahomes is very aware of what Josh Allen did on Thursday night. And I think this is going to be one of those Magic versus Bird, Brady versus Manning, Elway, Marino, where it's like, wait, what did he do? And that okay, okay, I got to get ready. I just think it's they're, they're on a mission to prove everybody wrong. They looked awesome, and he looked awesome, and I don't think much of that's going to change here throughout the year. I think the story that became apparent as we got more information about what was going on in Kansas City, Tyreek Hill was disrupting the balance of the offense by demanding the football more than he was getting it, and he was already getting it more than he ever had in his career. He wanted to be Cooper Cup. I really do think Cooper Cup and his exploits last year made other great receivers say, I could do that too. Right, right. And, and it made him more agitated and wanting the ball. And when you throw the offense off kilter, it's not, it's not good for the team. No it's doubt. not good for anybody. No doubt. And now I, Patrick yeah. Mahomes can just throw to who's open. Just yeah, that's throw right. Throw to who's open. Doesn't matter who it is, and no one's going to say anything about play, it. Play the position. Where does the defense tell me to go? I got plenty of guys here. Let me just do it. I think there was pressure on them because of the Tyreek Hill situation. I think they became a hair predictable because of Tyreek Hill. I think teams started to figure out, oh, wait, Tyreek Hill's here. Oh, they're going to run this. Oh, Tyreek Hill's there. He's going to run that. And I, now you go, well, I don't know where the hell it's coming from. Whoa, Juju, McCole Hardman. Oh, Sky Moore. I don't know. Val- Valdez Scantling. Tight ends that we've never seen before. I mean, all, you know, the, the Chiefs are they're here to stay. And, and I think they're, they're going to be very deep in the AFC playoffs this year. I think part of it, too, is Tyreek Hill was a siren song to Patrick Mahomes that he would be willing to – give that read a little longer. 100%. 100%, Mike, yes. So so it it wasn't just you've got a guy who's being a pain in the ass and wants the ball more. you got a quarterback who is more than happy to accommodate and throw it when he shouldn't and hold it longer than he should and not move on to read two, read three, read four because he's so smitten with what Tyreek Hill can do. I, I, I agreed. I do. And, and you feel that pressure as a quarterback. You do. It's hard to block it out sometimes. We've seen Brady be like that with Gronk, where you got Gronk and, you know, you go, oh, gosh, all he did was look at Gronk. Gronk's double covered. He just kept looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. Look, it, it's, everybody falls in that. When it's your talent, most talented player and it's a guy you personally like. Like, I, I went through it a little with Joey Galloway. Where, again, my career was nothing special. I know that. But in my short time of playing and being relevant a little bit, I, I did have a tendency to go, oh, wait, it's Joey. Let me let me pat it one extra time and give him a chance. Because I like Joey, and damn, he's fast. And when I get him the ball, he does make me look good. 
And, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, gosh, well, that extra time I pat the ball, there was like Hilliard open over the middle, and I missed it. And I, I think your point there is very real, no doubt about it. We saw it on Thursday night with Matthew Stafford. Right. The, the Bills were, were showing him looks he wasn't ready for, so when all else fails, throw it to Cooper throw Cup. To Cooper Just Cup. throw it to Cooper Cup. That's right. Keep throwing it to Cooper Cup. And, and it worked. To a degree. It didn't win the game. Right. But, but you know, his numbers when he tried to throw it to anyone else were not good. All right, Tyree Kill, now in Miami. Tua Tonga-Vailoa was 23 of 33 for 270 yards and a touchdown. Hill had eight catches for 94 yards. What did you think of the new-look Miami offense under Mike McDaniel? It, it looked good. I mean, again, they, 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 you know, there's more movement. There seems like there's more creativity. It's an offensive system, as we've talked about a lot, that sets up better for Tua, no doubt about it. Again, he's not a big, strong-armed guy, but – you know, when you have a guy like this who's going to scare everybody to death, you're going to get, whoa, why, he's going to run the go route. Let me just, oh, he put the brakes on. Bam, he's wide open on the out route. This is what I think we're going to continue to see a lot of is this stuff right there where it's, you know, underneath, over the middle like the Jalen Waddle touchdown and an occasional play like this down the field where we get Tyree kill the ball. You know, so the offense did look better, right? But I do want to say this, and, and I haven't really, really studied this yet, but, but I mean, you know. I, I, I still question some things there. I do. I know that's a good Patriots defense. They, they scored 20 points. You know, seven of those were on a strip sack fumble. There were some times of stalling out. You know, the offensive line, I think, is still something to watch out for in Miami. And then also, you know, if Tua or Tyreek Hill aren't wide open over the middle with game plan type of plays, you know, I still got to see more to go, oh, he's going to make the big throw there against the good defense and tight coverage. Oh, they took away some of the tricks there and that now he's got to make the play. That's what we got to see. But, but, but still, a good, a good start for Miami. And, man, they're really talented, and I expect them to be a major player in the AFC as well. Bill Belichick, who doesn't make a whole lot of excuses, although he may be slipping into that mode, he did point out that it was just a couple of plays that changed the game. It really was. It was, it was a very close sack. game. It was the fourth and seven. There right. was maybe one other play. But yes. that, that's, that's, that's football. That's football. Yeah. And in past years, Bill Belichick has been the guy whose team is the one who makes those plays. When you have those plays made against you, you're not going to win. So Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins get the win. We'll yep. see how that offense continues to develop. Let's take a break. Inevitable injuries now that we're playing football games that count and a couple of big names. We'll give you updates on them when PFT Live continues right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's the emotional uh, fallout from when you lose a guy like that for your team? Well, I think like you know anything. I mean, injuries is part is, is part of it. But uh, yeah, Dak is our quarterback. He's one of our top leaders, um, like you know, franchise quarterback. But you know, it's week one. You know, um, and just speaking with him last night, I mean, he'll, he'll still be a part of it every day. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 part of the challenge. Oh, it's quite a challenge. Hey, 
When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. When you have one quarterback who's injured, you have none. That's the reality for the Cowboys. And they decided to go with Cooper Rush. And look, a couple years ago, Andy Dalton was the backup. Dak Prescott out for the year week five with a broken ankle. And it's not like Dalton came in and saved the day. So I guess they made a strategic decision not to have an accomplished veteran backup. But now, Chris, after surgery on a joint above his thumb, Dak Prescott is expected to miss six or seven games They are hoping he's back for week eight against the Bears or week 10 against the Packers. They have a week nine bye. They do week seven Lions, week eight Bears, week 10 Packers, week 11 Vikings. It's an NFC North tour. They hope to get him back at some point in there. But what do you do without him? What's Cooper Rush going to do, Chris? I know he beat the Vikings last year on a Sunday night, but I don't think you can expect to come close to running the table without Dak Prescott. No way. No way. Like, they're in big trouble. I mean, I want to be like uh, Dandy Don Meredith here and say, turn out the lights, the party's over. Let's just get ready for 2023. I really do. They don't have the team they had last year. Last year they had a special team. They could hide and help, you know, a Cooper Rush that way. You know, yet all the concerns we had about the Cowboys, we saw flatten our face right there on Sunday night. The offensive line's not that good. It's overrated. The Zeke Elliott is good. Nothing great. CeeDee Lamb is a good receiver. He's not a superstar. I mean, Dak Prescott is the best player on their team with Micah Parsons. Now he's gone. They can't run the ball, and they're going to have to depend on the pass game, and I want to go well. All right, I don't think it's going to be all that special. You know, defensively, they lost players uh, to where I just go, man, Dallas is in trouble. And, Mike, you know, you, you said it like eight, ten weeks, whatever, game ten, game eight, whatever, somewhere. In that. Yeah, he'll be back then. He's not going to be, like, throwing spirals and missiles all over the field. He's going to get back just like we saw Russell Wilson with the, the injury last year. He's going to come back, and he's not going to throw the ball as well. It's going to be getting used to it. He's not going to be himself. Like, sorry, it's over, Dallas. See you later. I, I hope this doesn't get thrown back in my face, but that's just the way I feel. I think it's over. See ya. A plate and a pin in the hand, and you're right. He's, he'll be back, and he'll be able to play, but is he going to be 100%? The question is, at what percent do you take Dak Prescott over a 100% Cooper Rush, and and what else can you really do if you're the Cowboys? So much of that pride and that delusion creeps into this, and maybe Cooper Rush is going to become a great story. Maybe he's ready. Maybe this is his Geno Smith moment. I don't know. Prove us wrong, Cooper. Let's see. There's only one way to do it. Go out and, and show us, but I I know there aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. There aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. But this is why the NFL works so hard to protect players, and there's nothing you can do to protect quarterbacks specifically. There's nothing you can do to protect a quarterback against throwing the football and following through and maybe hitting someone, and that's exactly what happened. That, that can't be taken out of the game, and you get a starting quarterback on a marquee team injured and out for a while, and this – now, it'll be interesting to see if people still tune in to watch the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys, even if it is Cooper Rush. But this is going to be a long time. And by the time he gets back, Chris, I agree with you. They're, 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 they're kind of like the Browns now, where Deshaun Watson's not coming to back until December. 
I feel better about the Browns, frankly. Yeah, me too. Than the Cowboys I'm right now right. without their starting quarterback. That's right. I mean, the Browns, at least, we know has one of the best offensive lines in football, right? I mean, we know that. We know those two running backs are special, and their defense has some freaking studs around. I mean, studs. Dallas? Other than, like, well, we named it. They have a stud quarterback and a stud Michael Parsons. That's it. That's the the, the limit of their studiness on their football team. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I worry about them, let alone their schedule's not all that easy. I mean, they're I, I don't see it. I don't. You know, they 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 blew their chance last year. They had a team that was in the window that was talented and you know, they had salary cap issues and didn't pay Randy Gregory and some other things there and I just I don't see where it comes from that the the pickup. You know, Browns, you know, I think as we said, like we don't expect as good Browns, but I think there's ways where we looked at, well, they could, there's still a lot of good players on that team that they could be a pain in the butt still here. Dallas, I don't see that at all. I always felt like they had to ride the right arm of Dak Prescott, and now they got nothing to ride. So I think they're in big trouble. They have a good year, and they just allow that carnival barkering, barkering, barking that they do to become a self fulfilling non prophecy where they hype themselves into thinking they're going to be better than they are. And, they they cross the line between salesmanship and self delusion. They they've unreasonably believed this team was going to be good even with Dak Prescott healthy. I agree with you. And hey, we'll both wear it on old tastes exposed okay, if it happens. Good. All right. We won't be alone. They're done. Yeah. It's over. It's over. It just is. And maybe they'll scratch and claw some wins and maybe they'll hold it together. Maybe they'll be in a position to make a run after Thanksgiving, but Dak will be back and he won't be a hundred percent. And this team isn't going to be 100%. And somebody's going to have to rise up. That's the caveat. You're going to have to have somebody on that team rise up and take charge and step up and get it done. Or we're not going to see the Cowboys competing for the postseason. Would you make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo if you were the Cowboys? Well, the, the, the real question is, would you make the move if you're the 49ers? And I would just say, hell freaking no. Like, no. I mean, again, we've discussed this a lot. They got a good team. Trey Lance certainly didn't do anything to give us confidence that he's the guy and ready to go here yet after week one. I know it was a very tough situation in that weather. But I, you, the 49ers can't trade Jimmy G unless they want to trade like a first rounder for him or something like that. I mean, it would have to take something like remarkable for me to move Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers if I'm Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch. So, yeah, you can look at that, but I just don't even think that's a realistic thing right now, and I don't even know if it's it's smart for Dallas or the future of their franchise to let up that kind of asset, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, anything like that. I, I don't know if that's a, actually a good move for them in general anyways. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're, 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 in, they're in a bad spot. And Garoppolo has that no-trade clause, so he would have to be on board with it. The Cowboys would take on the salary. He's walking in the door cold. How do you really get him ready in a week That's if right. you would do a trade today? Right. right. And, and so, somebody raised with me an interesting twist, although I think it's completely impossible. Well, it's not completely impossible, but it's highly improbable. The idea that the Cowboys trade for Jimmy G, and then at the trade deadline they retrade him to someone else – when Dak's ready to come back, but it's just it's teams are so wired into that next man up mindset that they're just going to go forward with who they have. Now right. Cam Newton's out there, but but there's been no noise Mason whatsoever Rudolph? of them. 
I, those are the guys I think of. Like, you know, a, a team that has a little, like, wait, we got two quarterbacks. We can maybe get rid of the third. You know, the, well, the, but the Steelers did that three years ago. I know. After Nick Foles broke a collarbone, they traded Josh Dobbs to right. Jacksonville, and then they lost Ben Roethlisberger the very next game. Yeah, right. And it was they Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges right. the rest of the way. Right. So no, that, yeah. that's part of what they're concerned about. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Steelers, they had a couple of injuries coming out of Sunday's overtime win over the Bengals. TJ Watt is going to get second and third opinions on whether or not he needs surgery for his torn pec. NFL media pushed a story late last night suggesting that they think he's going to be back in six weeks now. So it sounds like he's going to try to rehab without surgery. It sounds like it wasn't a complete tear, just a partial tear. But a lot of uncertainty about when we're going to see Watt again. And, hey, I credit the guy. He's you know Football players don't want to milk these injuries. They want to get back. He wants to get back ASAP. And the challenge is... How protected are you going to be? How healthy are you going to be? And what's your risk of re-injury or worse injury if you come back before you should? Those are all the questions that doctors need to to make their recommendations, and T.J. Watt needs to make the answer, Chris. Yeah, that's right. It's a huge blow. I mean, gosh, he was playing phenomenal. I mean, he was just all over the field. You know, we New right tackle for the Lyle College for Cincinnati. He was just getting whooped by, by T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's special. He is. He knew he heard it right away, too. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. That's one where, Hey, look, I love it. Get back and all that, but you know, don't just get back to a point where, okay, it, it, I, it feels pretty good. I think I can play. I can guarantee you're going to get hurt again if that's the point. And then you're going to be going into the 2023 season dealing with it still, and it'll trickle into that season. So I, I, I think, you know, take it, take it slow. Uh, but he's a what, and he's a football player. And a psycho at that. And you know I mean that in a good way to where he's going to push the edge here as far as how quickly he can get back on the field. I don't have any question about that. Just think for the Steelers because Steelers offense, I think, as we see, has some problems. It's not very special. They're going to rely on their defense to make plays and be that unit for their football team. And, of course, he's the guy that makes that unit go, him and Minka Fitzpatrick, and that's where it, it really hurts the Steelers football team. Some good news with the Patriots coming to town in five days. Running back Najee Harris, the ankle roll foot injury, not as bad as believed, and they think he's going to be good to go for Sunday when they take on New England. Back to the Monday night game. We didn't mention this earlier. Jamal Adams got injured while trying to sack Russell Wilson early in the game, ended up on a cart, did not return. After the game, Pete Carroll said that Adams suffered a serious knee injury, likely to the quad tendon it looked bad and I've got the utmost respect for a guy who will go out there and lay his body on the line every single play the problem with Jamal Adams is he he does lay his body on the line and he gets injured all the time and there's a certain point where you the body just isn't built for it I mean this guy's had one injury after another and I admire the grit and the resolve and the willingness to work your way back to full health because you know you're going to go compromise it immediately. It's incredible. It's, it's an incredible act of bravery as sports are concerned. But you just have to wonder how many more of these he's going to be able to make it no, before I he's know. not the guy that he, he used to be. Yeah, it's, it's concerning. It is. It's the wear and tear is starting to show like you, you, like you talked about. Especially when you see like non-contact. He's just try, right there. When he made that little move and stepped with his left foot to try to adjust that's where it went and oh man right away I think it was the step before that right from this angle but uh quad tendon 
you know, tearing that what off the bone, that, that's, that is serious. That is. And he's a guy that, that, like you're saying, and I totally agree, he's 6'1", he's 215, but he doesn't know that. He thinks he's 6'4", 275, and he's going to just kill everybody. That's what's great about him. He's awesome that way. But there is no break with him. It's like like Robert Sala says with the Jets, it's all gas, no no break all the time, and it's starting to show on his body, and, and that stinks because their safeties, him and Diggs, were one of the special things about their football team. And to have that taken away from them with young corners, that's going to hurt their defense. All gas, no break, B-R-A-K-E, something break, B-R-A-E-K. That's kind of what's – Story Did you say B R E? Yeah, okay, okay, good. Yeah. B R A K E, no break. Right. B R E A K, something breaks. Speaking of Sala, he's keeping receipts. And as one of my writers pointed out yesterday at PFT, he's going to need a wallet fatter than George Costanza's by the time <laughs> it's all said and done. We'll talk about that next on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Uh, yesterday, in my opinion, we did not get beat, we lost. Uh, and they're two totally different things. And, um, you know, you just look at it, just felt like we were the faster team. We played with a lot of speed and aggression, especially on defense. And a lot of these little mistakes and a lot of things that people don't see with regards to busts, misalignments, uh, uh, whatever it might be, uh, you just see these little things happening. And it's uh, we have to learn how to do right longer. And I know it's going to happen. And I'm and I'm taking. We're, we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and, and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts. I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. Well, one of the realities of being the head coach is the receipts. He's got the receipts. One of the realities of being the head coach of a sports team in New York is you're always going to get mocked if you're not successful. You're going to be relentlessly mocked, and you know that going in. You know that when you take the job. It's the New York Jets. It hasn't been a great team. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and as evidenced by what we saw on Sunday, they still have more work that needs to be done. I like the attitude. Yeah. I I just – this doesn't strike me as a team that's going to be willing – to honor the check that Robert Sala is trying to write. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think, you know, like big picture wins or losses. I don't know. I do look at that game and that team there and go, there was some positives. First off, I just want everybody to know they miss Zach Wilson, period. All right. That's the first thing everybody needs to know. Zach Wilson has incredible talent and a big time arm and brings an energy to the football team you know, the Milfinator, whatever you want to say, all right? They, they latched onto him. Yep, sorry, London, if you're not aware of that story, you know, look it up on Zach Wilson, all right? But they were rallying around him. You know, Joe Flacco, hey, yeah, we got confidence in him, but he's, he's Joe Flacco and he's old and that's not, he's not that guy anyways. He was never the leader or the rah-rah guy. So they missed that on the offensive side of the ball. I will say, I thought there were some encouraging things about them. Their defense, they were every bit as toe-to-toe physical with the Ravens. The Ravens couldn't run the ball. I mean, the Ravens couldn't score a touchdown until late in the second quarter. So there was a definite improvement there. You know? and, then, and then, you know, the mistakes, hey, they let up 14 points because 
Joe Flacco threw a dumb interception, and then the punter punted the ball like 10 yards, which you and I can do, and that set up very easy short fields for the Baltimore Ravens. But so there was some good things. They ran the ball with a little success. They did do that. But, yeah, again, it's going to be, you know, a tough road ahead because they got a tough schedule and they're young. And, you know, you can't have those little mistakes if you want to win consistently in the NFL. And I think what Robert Sala is doing there is trying to speak to his team, his young team, to piss them off, to get them to have a chip on their shoulder so they bring it as best they can because, oh, my gosh, how, where's the win? Where's the win? I thought maybe the Browns, but they beat the Panthers this past weekend. Where is there a W lurking through week 11? I, They're going to be the underdogs in every single game. Yes, they are. They are. And um, that's where, you know, again, I think there's a lot of things in place. And you like the roster and there's some talent. And you see that. You know, but this is where, hey, the head coach, you got to find a way, trick play, whatever, you know, a play that's, you know, the defense is not prepared for, but to give your team a little advantage. And then hopefully, you know, Zach Wilson can be back before week four. That, that's what I, I would be hopeful for. Because I, I do think, you know, him coming back and his ability to make some plays off script a little bit, like we talk about, that's so important this day and age in the NFL. I think that's what he does bring to the table. So we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, they're in a tough spot. There's no question. Without their franchise quarterback and that schedule, wowzers. I mean, it won't, it won't be easy. By the way, NFL media now reporting that Dak Prescott could be back in four to six weeks, not six to eight. So it's already beginning. Rush him back. Rush him back. We know we're screwed. We got to get him back. We got to accelerate the process. We need a little Mr. Miyagi to get him back. Um, and I still I – th- I think we still stand on what we said earlier. Yeah. It's going to be a long road for the Cowboys. Yeah. When we return, it's been a long time since we've done Chris's favorite. Oh, track. here we go. Here we go. Goats in a bad way. Hey, we'll if you're feeling bad about one. playing bad, we're going to crap on you one more time on a Tuesday. We'll be back. Come on, this. man. <laughs> we'll be back with more right after this. Simsisms. Graceland. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just... Yeah, if you won a few Super Bowls, you might get a two, three years of Graceland. I assume you mean grace period. Grace period, I assume yeah. that's what you mean. I did, but I, I that really might have stumbled do. into something there, yeah. I really do like two to three years of Graceland. Hey, now Graceland, the, the family's Presley there, the drinks are flowing, it's Graceland. <laughs> that's well done. Very well done. <laughs> great, that's great. Chris Sims at Graceland. Oh, I really baby. enjoy the Elvis movie and the soundtrack of the Elvis movie for anyone who cares. Yeah. But uh, I, I really, I was one of those things where I watched it the first time. Have not. Yeah. Watched it the first time, wasn't quite sure. Watched it again, really liked it. All right, things we didn't like. Goats in a bad way. And we do kind of feel guilty about this. We are rubbing a little salt in the wound. But you know what? We've already got it queued up, so let's go. Give me number one. All right. Well, I'm going to go with a friend of mine, all right? And um, his name's Joe Burrow. All right, that's the guy that's going to get goats in a bad way more than anything. I just, you know, I, I guess, hey, we know he made mistakes. It stinks to play the Steelers in week one because they're a defense that does a lot of crazy crap, and I don't care if you've played them before or not. When you haven't played in the preseason and all of a sudden you got to go out there and go, whoa, said Hud, holy crap, this guy's dropping, this guy's going here. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's not easy. It's not. But I'm just disappointed in the Bengals and the fact of, like, man, like, why – 
just or Joe Burrow, don't be so aggressive. Don't do it. You, you knew the Pittsburgh offense wasn't going to be special. I mean, man, you could take the defense off the field. I'm not sure Pittsburgh could go and score 20 points. Uh, that's where, you know, just not seeing the big picture of the game overall. I'm not worried about them going forward. They still should have won the game. So that's what's amazing. They really should have. They should have won the game. And uh, But either way, just not, you know, evaluating the situation as it is as a whole, I think bother, bothered me by Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense. And I do think the Bengals will be fine. I, I do really too. do. Yeah. This was just one of those stuff happens games. But, uh, yeah, four interceptions and a lost fumble, not a good day for Joe Burrow. I got to go back to Nathaniel Hackett. I, I, you, you can't treat a 64-yard field goal like a coin flip proposition. One out of eight was uh, Brandon McManus from that distance before last night, 60-plus. Um, and two of 35, I think, since 1991, kickers trying a 64-yarder. It's just not something that should have been done. You've got Russell Wilson. You give the ball to Russell Wilson. You let him convert fourth and five. And now flip it around. Would we have said today, oh, you should have kicked the field goal there if Russell Wilson doesn't convert on fourth down? No way in hell. No, no exactly way. right. Nobody would have been saying that. You're, that's the point, I think. You're exactly right. That is really the point. That none of us would have been going, oh, man, why, why didn't they kick one of the longest field goals in the history of football there? Nobody would have said that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm, he's on my list. I understand it totally. Um, we going another round or are we going commercial break yes. here? One uh, more. All right. Um, I don't know how I, we can't talk about Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, whatever you want to put them in the, a, a box together there, whatever. It was Crappyville. I know that. You know, new contract. You know, supposed to be, you know, mad about the way last year ended. You're, you know, it's you're an off a team that's built through the offense, and nobody told the offense to show up. One did, but it was the other team in red, white, and yellow. I mean, to be down thirty-seven to seven, I mean, that just that's it's unbelievable. It really is. So I'm just shocked by that performance, and not that I expect them to win, but I certainly didn't expect them to look like that on the offensive side of the ball. And when the head coach says, "That's that the other part." it's an issue with practicing and you're not practicing well. And this is what you get. Who's responsible for that. Who's responsible for ensuring that they're practicing properly. Who's responsible for correcting those behaviors because he understands the connection between practicing poorly and playing poorly. So I maybe those are the things you say out loud when you have the security of a multi-year contract. I don't get it. Because it's on Cliff Kingsbury. This wasn't some passive-aggressive Aaron Rodgers remark. This was Cliff Kingsbury yeah. coming out and admitting that it's on him and it's his fault. One more real quickly from me. We talked about it earlier, Christian Watson. I'm sorry, first game in the NFL. You did the hard part. The easy part is let the gloves do the work, catch the ball, and run in for the touchdown. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we will do round three of our Goats in a Bad Way draft. We'll be back with that right after this. All right, round three, goats in a bad way to wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Christopher, what do you have? I don't even know where to go here. I got so many, you know, 
decisions to make. But I think I'm going to go back to Thursday night. Is that okay? Are we allowed to go back to Thursday night? I'll go back to Thursday. I'll go to Matthew Stafford. Oh, just that performance there. You know, first game of the year, win the Super Bowl, and it wasn't totally him. I don't want to put it all on him, but I'm trying to just you know not pick an entire organization or a total unit like I do at times here. You know, their offensive line got dominated in the football game, no question about it. Um, but yeah, there were some careless decisions there, and and uh, you know some chances for them to maybe be a little bit more competitive in the football game. It just wasn't a good look for the the Rams' offense in general. I mean, it, I, we could put McVay, the offensive line, Stafford, all in this equation, but to pick one, I'll go with Matthew Stafford. I uh, I agree with you, and there's a lot that could be added from the Rams. You could put. Jalen Ramsey in that category. Yeah, you could. You're right. Sean McVay. Right. A lot of them. I, I think I'm going to – and we talked about it briefly earlier, the Braden Man punt. I, I'm sorry, this is the NFL. You can't punt the ball into the stands in the NFL. You, you can't. You can't shank it that badly and survive in the NFL. Why? Because there's too many other guys out there who will kick the ball straight and true every single time. The supply far outweighs the demand. And – um. I I uh, I was astounded by that because you just don't see it in the NFL. There's certain things you take for granted, and you you rarely see a punt get shanked, and you definitely don't see it as badly as the one that we saw on uh, on Sunday by the Jets. No, no, definitely not. And the, you know, in a game that was again like we talked about earlier, it was it was close. It was it was at a point where it's like, oh man, the Jets make one play here and we got a game. It's, it wasn't like it was like a, a total domination effort by the Baltimore Ravens. But yeah, mistakes like that. And then all of a sudden, oh, Lamar Jackson sees somebody open down that field, boom, touchdown pass with a great bomb or whatever. And, and the game's over. And uh, yeah, the Jets uh, unfortunately had two or three of those type of mistakes in that game. All right. Uh, We've had two or three mistakes or more over the course of the last two hours, but that just makes it a normal Tuesday. Thanks for hanging in with us. Thanks again to all the folks enjoying the program on Sky who are emailing me during the show to tell me how much they enjoy it. Chris, good to have you back as always. Thanks, buddy. See everybody else on Wednesday morning, bright and early. Enjoy your day. See ya. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 